I genuinely have this mindset and I hope everyone does because it's true. Anything that is humanly possible, if you put in enough time, energy, focus, dedication, you can achieve that. Alrighty, g'day, g'day and welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. You can call me Brad and pumped to be here. It's a Sunday afternoon in Wollongong, Australia, and I'm sitting across from a guest that I'm sure you'll all know if you're watching this. I'm sure you'll begin to realize who it is as soon as you start to hear his voice. He's a figure that took the media and the nation by storm throughout the course of the Tokyo Olympic Games. He was someone we all enjoyed watching, barracking for, we enjoyed as we got to learn about his personality and see the differences in this man to most within his sport and his game. And it's what I love about him. So from your homey car or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Mr. Harry Garside. How are you, brother? Mate, what an intro. <laughs> right, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm walking out for a fight. <laughs> right, walkout song. Anytime you need to hire me for a walkout song, I'm here, brother. So, I love it, man. No, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Bro, it's an absolute pleasure. Like I said, you're, um, you're someone who... Definitely caught my eye throughout the course of the games. Um, obviously, we're going to talk a bit today about your personality, also your boxing career, and and basically give people an idea of, of who Harry Garside is when he's not in the ring and exactly in front of the media. Um, but it's a real priv- privilege to have you. And I guess the way I like to start off any pod is just to give get you to give us a bit of an idea of who you are and where you come from. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Melbourne boy. I come living in like a suburb called Lillardale. So it's on the outskirts of the, the Melbourne suburbs. And it's like, it was a country town growing up, um, but it's a lot more like suburban now. There's houses everywhere. But growing up, youngest of three boys, um, my brothers were real active and, and I was really active, played all sports. Um, and, and I just loved like the atmosphere that I had in my family. I had a really good, like, close family. I had two parents that are still together. And, um, but I think, the reason why I probably started Boxing Man was being the youngest of three boys and having brothers who were like real blokey and manly. And then a dad who was like pretty old fashioned. Um, I felt nothing like them. I was more connected to my mum and what my mum was doing. I was inside my mum a lot more while my brothers were out the back. And I think I initially started boxing to sort of gain respect from my brothers and my dad and, and the males in my life. And, and then I initially just like I fell in love with the sport um, within the first week and haven't looked back since. How old were you at this point in time? So I, was, I started when I was nine. So it was pretty pretty young man to start boxing. Um, I know my coach has a bit of a rule. He doesn't accept anyone who's under 10. Okay. I don't know. What, I don't, it's crazy when you think about that because he could have turned me away. Um, but there was, I was like close to being 10, but he was like, oh, no, okay, yeah, you can train. And then, and then I started training. Pretty crazy if he turned me back on my first day. I probably never would have went again. So you know, it's you know what's crazy hearing that. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but that sounds like you've been with the same coach for your whole life. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I have I've been with him since I was since I was nine, and he doesn't travel interstate or overseas with me. Um, but he's my my Melbourne based coach, and he's definitely my number one coach. And um, he's a little bit older now; he's seventy nine, so he's definitely coming to the end of his boxing life. Um, yeah. but he's still well and truly, he's like a granddad to me. And, and he's someone who, regardless of where my career goes, I will owe him everything. And he's also someone, regardless of where or how much money or where, he will always be part of my team and I'll always make sure he's looked after for sure. That's really beautiful to hear, man. It's 
Well, I can imagine that for him now at 79, he'd prefer not to be holding the pads for you. <laughs> exactly right. I give it to him though. COVID hasn't helped, but prior to COVID, he was still holding the pads for some of the big boys in the gym. And I, yeah. I give it to him. He's like, the thing about like athletes, we get this respect. I honestly do not think it's necessary. We get athletes get respect. And I'm just like, the people who really deserve respect is someone like a coach. He's the most dedicated person you'll ever meet. Family members who were supporting um, you mean me through my journey. My journey is easy, man. My job is easy. So like I just show up to something that I love and I train hard. Yeah. Man, my life is fucking easy. Yeah, amen. That t- I, I echo that a million times, brother. Like we're talking about pre this, like family's everything to me. And um, I fully get what you're saying there. It's, it's definitely noticeable when you talk about being nine years of age, walking into boxing to gain respect. You know, as someone who's not, I'm no boxer, I'm no fighter. Um, I think I've had two fights at school when I was about 11. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you come off just as bad as the other bloke. Um, but the one thing you notice is watching fighters, you know, who's been doing it their whole life. It's instinctive. They move well. And it's, it's a different class. It's, you know, you look at a guy like Tyson Fury who fought on the weekend, who most people know. And you can see the way that that guy moves is just different. It's instinctive. It's been there his whole life. What's the process been like for you as you've matured through your boxing career? Have you noticed real changes in yourself? Have have at any stage you had to take a right turn and completely change the way you box or the way that you've developed as a fighter? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, man. I think there's, there'll be elements to this question. So I've definitely noticed through the years how I've like, and I think that naturally happens. You like evolve and adapt and change. Um, but I think the biggest thing boxing has probably taught me is just like self-confidence and self-love. So it's like, I was a kid who, because I didn't lack, uh, cause I lacked a bit of respect, didn't feel like a stereotypical male coming from a country town. Like, I felt like I had a bit of anger and rage and, and I almost like didn't know how to control my emotions, which is pretty normal for a young male. Mm. Um, didn't know how to control my emotions properly. And I think through the course of boxing, what it has probably given me the most is control of my emotions a lot more. And I can, I'm, the clarity of my, my choices is better when I'm doing boxing more frequently. And, and I always notice that. And I think my starting from such a, such a young age is so important. And I'm so grateful and, I'm a massive advocate. I say this a lot. I'm a massive advocate for like integrating combat sport, maybe not boxing into the school system. Cause I th- honestly do believe young, mm. young people, boys and girls would learn self-confidence, self-love, respect for themselves, for other people in most combat sports, you have to bow to your master, take your shoes off. Like there's so many good life lessons that I have learned through the sport that I just really would love to give to other young people. Like you said, it's general aggression too, isn't it? Like if if you've got an aggressive nature and it's something I've heard a lot of people speak about. I know a lot of fighters talk about it. A lot of people who have been in the military talk about it. Um, the fact that, especially for young males, like there's that kind of monster or that animal inside of you that you shouldn't necessarily crush, but you should understand how to control it and use it in the right scenarios and at the right points in time. And I think boxing or any martial arts is a huge way of doing that. I know for me, when I got sort of into martial arts for a little bit was Muay Thai. And it's just when I was having a shit time of work, when I was doing something I didn't love um, before I sort of found my passion, it was an opportunity to put my phone away, forget about the business day and try to work off my sloppy dad rig at the gym and just take out <laughs> a bit of aggression, just kicking bags and hitting pads and like the camaraderie and the mateship that you get. The one thing I also really noticed in combat sports is as someone who hadn't been in a gym environment like that, I'd only ever done like sort of one-on-one pad work with trainers or with my old boy or mates. 
walking in, I was really interested to see what the gym dynamic was like. And I've never seen a more respectful place to walk into as an absolute rookie and, and to have the, I guess, the mateship and the willingness for others to teach and drop their ego to help you. It's incredible. It's quite, it's quite amazing, man, because I think boxing gyms are so special in that sense because it's like ex-criminals will mix with policemen, um, mm. rich people with poor there's no it's like egos are left at the door in a good proper boxing gym especially the old-fashioned ones egos are left at the door and you if you have an ego if you bring your ego in someone will fix you up yeah like that's the best thing about it and i think as well the element of like because it's combat and it's like probably the most vulnerable space that we can go to as a human um you mean it feels natural to me it feels very natural because I think this is what we would have done when we were hunters and gatherers. But I honestly think like in the world we live in now, it feels so vulnerable. You're scared. Your, your fight or flight response is really high because you're getting in there. It creates this energy in the gym that I think not many other sports will, will like emulate, if that makes sense. Like you're not going to get that in AFL football practice or you're not going to get that same level of it at least. No, 100%. It's, it was funny, the experience for me boxing, like I've had liver disease since I was nine. So my liver hangs a little bit below my rib cage. So doctors have always said, mate, you're one good punch away from rupturing your liver. So never box. <laughs> and so walking into the gym was kind of weird because you're like, I kind of can't get hit in the body. And the boy's like, no, nah, come spar, but we just won't hit you in the body. So you feel like you can never hit them in the body. So I'm like, <laughs> and it got to the point in time where I've taken too many shots to the head. I'm like, fuck, I'm not good looking half as it is. Like, I need to like protect. <laughs> if I can't get hit in the body, I need to protect my face, man. So I think my, my sparring days are probably over. I might have to go back and just maybe hit some pads if I get back into it, post all this marathon stuff. But the one thing I love about you, man, is you've spoken, even just here in this interview so far, right? You've spoken about boxing, what it's done for you, but you keep prefacing like self love, self respect. Your personality is so different to the average guy who walks out of a boxing gym and into a ring to fight and to promote their personality. And that's the thing that really inspired me to have this chat with you for all the success you've had in your sport. There's this really true attachment to your personality that you're not going to change for anyone. Talk to us about that. Where does that come from? And what's that been like putting that into the spotlight? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, man. Like I think no one really prepares you or no one can really prepare you. I didn't expect any of this to happen. And it's like, it's a weird feeling. Like I still feel like a little boy from Lillardale. Like I'm, I'm going to my, I'm, I'm no different to any other human. And I love that. I love being, I love like today I was at the shops and I love sitting, sitting down and just being a part of society. Like I absolutely love that. And I'm no different to any other human. And it's like weird now to have like young people messaging me on Instagram, like calling me their idol and stuff like that. Cause I'm just like, man, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like I should be someone's idol. And it's a weird sort of relationship, but it's been, I think I always just try my best, man. My parents, my, my dad is a roof tiler. So he's a pretty old fashioned tradesman. And my mum is a medium. So mum talks to dead people, right? Yeah. What a contrast. So, so my mum was into like tarot cards, crystals. I know it's like crystals and all that weird sort of stuff. And having that mix, I think it really forms like, my personality a lot where I'm like flowy, but also have like really strict, I'm, I'm a hard worker mm. and, but also have like a really flowy, like authentic personality because of my mom. Um, and, and I always just try my best man to, to be a good person. Like, like 
the, that's the best thing is like knowing that you're a good person and someone like you do something nice to someone like I get a good feeling from that and like so does that other person so it's like I don't know I was just trying my best to, to bring that into an, any environment and, and work hard and, and achieve my goals but also just like remembering man I'm a just a fucking human just like everyone else yeah I, I love that it's you know it's, it's such an interesting topic because I was, I was just telling you before, for anyone who's listening or watching this, Harry and I were talking about my day yesterday and I'd been on a run with a couple of my mates and a couple of the boys were asking me who I had on the show next. And I said, Harry Garside. And they were talking about that uniqueness you have and your, I guess, just like your 100% truth and your comfort and showing that off and being who you are. And I said, it's really interesting because, because it, it is such a contrast to what typically comes out of that gym mentality or that fighter where it's kind of like you know you watch the theatrics of boxing or um, MMA and most guys have sort of got their guard up they're trying to intimidate their fellow fighter and then they were, I was like even like the average Joe who you know especially in the world of social is going to have their say and one of my mates made a really good point he said to be fair didn't matter how much I disagree. He goes, I love what Harry's doing, but even if I disagreed with it, I ain't saying shit to that bloke. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so he's in the best position where he goes, I can't imagine too many people say shit. And I'm like, that's because you've earned that respect, right? And that's that respect you spoke about before. But when you go to the world stage, you know, the Olympics, the world is watching, especially this year. This year was, it was so special to watch the Olympics the Olympics is always that thing that the world looks forward to and the world stops for every four, four years, right? This year being that extended year, we all had to wait a little bit longer for it. But during a pandemic where the world is so divided and split by what they believe, what they don't believe, who's got freedom, who doesn't. And to watch the athletes on a world stage who represented our country and represented who we all are as human beings was a really special experience. And then to see you take that stage, be who you are, be confident and do our country incredibly proud. Firstly, I want to say congratulations because you, you've done an amazing job. Um, secondly, I want to ask what that experience is like. Man, it's, I've been dreaming to, to wear the Olympic uniform since I was seven. So even before I started boxing, like I remember being a kid, I was obsessed with sport and, and watching like Grant Hackett um, Steve Hooker in 2008, Matthew Mitchum. Um, there were some amazing athletes, you know what I mean? And, and like even um, Grand Hacker 2004, Australia versus Uruguay 2005, qualifying for the World Cup. I remember that moment like it was yesterday. Moments like that, man, like to finally get the opportunity to be on, on the national team and at the Olympic Games. Like I remember on the second day, I had this overwhelming feeling, sense of pride, achievement. Um, I hadn't even fought yet. But I just remember, like, I was hearing in the in the village, like, people singing and and all this, like, like everyone was happy, laughing, singing, dancing, mm. and I could hear it from my balcony. And I was just thinking, like, this is what it means to be human. Like, this is what we are. Like, this is what we can create when, like, we put our minds together in a positive way rather than competing with each other as country by country. Like, this is what it's about. And I just remember feeling, like, so grateful. It sounds silly to be human. And I was just like overwhelmed with that experience and to finally get that opportunity to, to put on the green and gold. And um, obviously I'm super ambitious and I have high standards for myself in the boxing ring. But to be honest, I was just grateful to, I failed five times to make the Olympic team. So I was just grateful to be there. I knew I prepared properly and I knew I was ready to, to do what I could do. 
Um, but all in all, mate, I was just really grateful to, to, to be on the Olympic team. Now, we're going to talk about the Olympic, I guess, the matchups in a minute. But one thing I want to touch on for maybe person listening to this or watching this that they may not know is to fight at the Olympics, you have to stay amateur, right? And that's a massive call because, you know, we all know at the moment the world is social media. You watch someone like a Jake Paul who hasn't spent the years of his life like you have at nine years of age fighting, learning, training, being boxing, being about it, staying with the coaches, going through the hardships of that. You watch someone like that step in the ring, earn a bunch of money, basically set himself up for life off the back of one fight. And which I think is ridiculous, right? To fight at the Olympics, you can't be professional. And what you sacrifice to be there and I know it's not, you know, for me as someone who is not, not about financial rewards at all, I know why you've done it and I know, know the pride that you have and that dream that you've had. How hard is it, though, to know that every time you step into the ring, you put your career at risk and potentially I haven't secured my future yet? Yeah, it's, it's, mate, it's huge, to be honest. And I'm, I'm very old-fashioned with, with some of my beliefs and very also, like, modern with some of them. But, like, my, my dad's definitely instilled in me, like, like I love knowing about history and, and I've got all, heaps of fighters tattooed on my leg and 90% of the fighters tattooed on my leg have done the Olympics and done well at the Olympics and then turned professional. And I'm just a big believer. That's what we're supposed to do as boxers. Mm. You dedicate. And to be honest, I had that Olympic dream prior to even starting boxing. So the dream to beat the Olympics was even, it was a childhood dream. To finally get that opportunity was massive. But I was actually having this conversation with someone recently. I, when I started boxing, I didn't even know boxing was at the Olympics, right? Like, because Australia is not really good at boxing. When, like yeah. when the Olympics are on, we, we watch swimming and, and field hockey and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, ne- I didn't even know that it was. And I started and I fell in love with the sport. So the first year or two of boxing, I was just focusing on turning professional and winning world titles. I wanted to be the next Muhammad Ali. Right. And then, and then I realized as I started fighting, I'm like, wow, I can actually go to the Olympics. Okay. And then it was, okay, I'm focusing all my energy on going to the Olympics and winning a gold medal for our country. So to, to dedicate a lot of time, a lot of energy without financial reward, it's hard, man. It's tough. But like, I think it comes from like knowing if I do really well at the Olympics, if I can win that gold medal, which I haven't done, but if I can win that gold medal, that can set me up for when I turn professional and I could have done my country proud in a proper sense. When you turn professional, you're representing yourself. Of course, don't get me wrong. Like everyone loves Danny Green or Costa Zoo or like we all love them as a nation, but like I think the pride of wearing the green and gold, representing Australia and winning a medal, like that's so special to me. 100%. You said there just before, failing to make that Olympic team five times. How do you pick yourself back up off the canvas after, you know, missing out like that? It's tough, man. I'm, so I don't know if you ever heard of a guy called Tim Grover. So he was yep. um, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's mental mental strength or strength conditioning coach. One of the very and, few and books it, I've read. Mate, I'm, yeah, how good is it though? It's, yeah, mate, it's like a lot of, if you haven't the listeners, listened to this, like if you haven't read it, definitely go and pick it up. But like a lot of the mindset stuff in that book, prior to reading that book, I got shamed a bit by people who didn't understand my mindset. I got shamed a bit by family members. I got shamed a bit by even teammates on my team because I took things very seriously, man. And I like a lot of those mindset traits in the book I had or I have still. 
And it's like, I kind of started to tone them down a little bit. And then I read that book and it just affirmed that this is what you need to do. And I think having a bit of a dark side that picks you up and, and having an ego as well. We all have ego. Like, why are we searching for things so much? Just because when I was younger, I didn't feel like I was good enough. And when I achieve that, I'll feel fulfilled and I'll feel enough. It's external and it's never going to fulfill me. And I know that, but like at the same time, it drives me, it motivates me. I want to achieve this because I want to fulfill my childhood dream. I want to make that little boy that was seven years old happy. You know what too, like reading that book and, and listening to and reading about what it is to be a true cleaner, right? That cleaner mentality. Boxing is one of those sports too, where it isn't any truer. Like it's you when it's only you. And, you know, it's like anything can go wrong in there. The minute you step in there and that bell rings, anything can go wrong. You're the only person to blame if you come out the other side and you haven't got that win. It all hangs on you. So it really takes a whole lot of whole lot of strength up there to come out the other side of that and bounce back. So I've got, bro, so much respect for you because, man, even me yesterday, right, sort of failing and falling a little bit short of what I'd set out to with my event. Like you beat yourself up a little bit about it. And then you're like, fuck, last night at nine o'clock at night, I'm sitting on fucking Nike ID, customizing a pair of vapor flies. Cause I'm like, fuck, I'm coming back quicker next year. I'm going to get this <laughs> shit done. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, that's, I think that's where the pride comes as an athlete or as someone who's trying to achieve something is being able to dust yourself off and get back up and go again, because you're guaranteed to have failures. Yeah, of course, man. I know. So a big thing for me that's definitely helped is obviously most people know David Goggins, like pretty famous now in the world, mental fitness sort of guy. Um, but he has an accountability mirror and that I've had that for probably like three years now, accountability mirror. So every morning while I'm in Melbourne, it's not up here with me in Sydney, but while I'm in Melbourne, there's a mirror and it's lathered with like my goals, motivational quotes. It had Andy Cruz Gomez, who I knew was number one in my weight. He was on there too. Um, it had so many things, the things that people have said to me that I wouldn't do. I know my dad said to me, and I love my dad's a bits, but my dad said to me, I wouldn't make the Olympics. I've had numerous people say things in my time, that I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that. I'll be a high school dropout. Write them on there too. My positive affirmations where I wake up every morning and say things. And I really think waking up every morning and like saying stuff to myself, like I'm an Olympic gold medalist, I'm enough. You mean I'm powerful, yeah. I'm strong. Whatever it may be for, for those people, I think waking up and doing that myself, like it just affirms me why I'm doing it. And like, I would train my ass off every day. And I think that was a really good way for me to start the day. And I did that every single day. And I still, I obviously it's not with me in Sydney, but I still wake up in the morning and say positive things to myself in the mirror. I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's one thing, I think probably the biggest lesson I've ever learned in my life, which was really taught to me by my parents as I've gone on throughout my life and realized that, you know, 25 years ago, they made a decision that what you believe is what you'll become. And they believe that I was destined for bigger things. And just to be another sad statistic of someone who passed too young with CF and man, I believe that hundred percent. If you don't believe in you, fuck no one else will. And mm. even when you do, you don't need anyone else to, you know what I mean? That's the thing. You'll find a way you'll find a way and, and man, you've done it. So talk to me about that feeling of standing on the podium, the bronze medal placed around your neck. I can imagine only so special, right? Yeah, there's a, it's a weird concept, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's like a, a, I've been battling it, man, to be honest. I won't lie. It was a failure. Um, I'm getting all this love and support and 
Um, and of course, like I'm, I'm extremely proud. I'm not ungrateful. I'm extremely proud. But I think for me, um, like I think for, for any person in a high performance environment, you've got to have that mindset where it's like, if it wasn't the result or top result, then it was a failure. And to be honest, man, it was a failure. I went there for the gold medal and it wasn't that gold medal. And I think if I start dropping my bar and saying the bronze medal was good and the, gold, the bronze medal was great or, you mean, then you lower your standard and you lower human, what's humanly possible. Anything that's humanly possible, that is where I'm setting the highest possible. Anything I will do, I will set the highest bar. Simple as that. And I think I'll, I don't ever want to drop that. And I think it was great seeing the Australian flag, knowing that it's been 33 years and fingers crossed now, a young boy, young girl, sees that and goes, fuck yeah, Brisbane 2032, 11 years away. I'm going to win that gold medal. And I fingers crossed, man, if it's not me in 2024, hopefully it's someone at 2032. So you've just maybe answered one of my questions there. You spoke about 2024. My next question was, are we going back to the Olympics or are we going pro? And that probably so answers Great question, man. I think so. The reality is they've just changed the they've just changed the rules. So at the yeah, so actually at the Olympics, um, there was some professional boxers at this last Olympics. It's really confusing. It's a bit of a gray area, right? So it's hard to it's really hard to explain properly. But I've said to my manager, I'm definitely going to turn pro now. Twenty four. I'm going to start thinking about winning world titles and making money putting food on the table when I'm on time being broke as an amateur athlete so I'm going to start thinking about your future and I said to my manager I said whatever direction I go in my professional career I want the door to be open for the 2024 Olympics just in case the drive the motivation the hunger is still there which I'm sure it will be but I just said in three years time I want the door to still be there so it's on my terms if I want to go back and I think I will because I got unfinished business and you know what, brother, there's two things I'm going to say off the back of that. The first one is talk about unfinished business. I love that even with, you know, anyone watching this now can see you've got the brace on your hand. You never use that as an excuse, but it was with you the whole way. And then now talking about going back, fulfilling this, man, I'm so excited to see what you gain and experience going pro like that on the world stage again in 2024 at the Olympics. Right, scary times for anyone else in your weight class. <laughs> I think, um, I don't know, it's exciting, man. I really hope as well. To be honest, I'm a massive one on like, like I don't think I'll go to the comp games next year. Like it's time to sort yeah. of focus, really hone in on the, on the professional career. My hand's actually like putting me back a fair bit. Um, yeah. But I really, I, to be honest, mate, I would really hope this would be great. I really hope that some young boy in my weight has gone, fuck, if Harry Garso can do that. He busts his ass. He goes to the comp games next year, wins gold medal. And then I'm thinking, geez, okay, he's going to run, make, run, make me run yeah. for my money. I really hope that happens, man. I genuinely hope that happens because if the standard is raised, then I have to raise to it. I have to be better. Yeah, exactly right. So I really hope that happens. I'm not too sure because of COVID who's around at the moment in my weight because no one's really fought recently. So, But I do hope that some, some young boy in my weight um, is, is training his ass off and he thinks this is my shot. Can I throw a suggestion out there? Absolutely. Have you ever thought about going for gold in boxing again and then also competing in like the 5K on track? Because fuck me, Dad, we're talking about your Strava times before <laughs> this. Bro, no way. Maybe you've got two sports right. in you. Imagine that. I, there was a Tongan guy who he represented Tonga. I believe it was at rugby. Um, yeah at the Olympics and then he went to the winter Olympics. So I was thinking about doing something crazy like that. Cause I honestly, 
I want to be like that guy. There's a walk that I saw on Facebook. It's from Siberia, at the top of Russia, all the way. It's the longest walk possible. In, in so it takes it takes fucking ages, but it's from Siberia, top of Russia, all the way down to South Africa, um, and it's like unstopped. And I'm thinking, man, I'd love to do something crazy like that in my life. That's insane. That's insane, eh? I, I love that, man. I think as human beings, like you said before, our nature is to challenge ourselves, to mm. bring the best out in ourselves. And, you know, man, I had yesterday, I had, it kind of shit me a little bit, man. Like, you know, at the end of it, everyone's like, oh, you know, like your lungs have been bleeding. You just got to stop doing this run, running and just play golf or something. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> like, we're meant to be challenged. Like, I'd feel 100%. like, fucking, you know, shout out to anyone who loves golf, but I'd feel like, bored like not being challenged like if that's someone's challenge or their love of sport i enjoy playing it casually but i'm like mm. if you give up on the things that challenge you and excite you really you're giving up on like the spirit that you have to live and to be better as a human being so Absolutely. i echo that fuck who yeah, knows i'm I think... not even joining you for the siberian walk hey what up <laughs> you fucking freezing yeah. um <laughs> i think I'm, I'm just massive on that man like i genuinely I don't know what form it. I think from pushing myself as much as possible, and I'm, I haven't even scraped the surface of what's possible. Like the reality, I focus on one thing, but like I genuinely have this mindset, and I hope everyone does because it's true. Anything that is humanly possible, if you put in enough time, energy, focus, dedication, you can achieve that. Simple as that. And 100%. I, and I'm a firm believer in that, and I think everyone they they don't even start things because they've beaten themselves or, or maybe their parents have said something or their friends have said something like, you won't do that. So then they don't even try it. I'm like, mm. man, the best thing about it is if I fucking fail, like that's fine. I've still achieved something because I went for it. I tried my best and I'll tr- adapt a few things. And I'll try again. 100%. Let's talk about, like you said there before, it's hard to be a professional athlete. who's like broken, like trying to find their way through life. Let's talk about that struggle a little bit. I can imagine there's been plenty of cans of tuna in your life to, <laughs> to get to the Olympic stage. Run all about those 80 cent cans of tuna. <laughs> Let's talk about that journey because I don't think a lot of people appreciate that enough. Like when you don't have money, it's hard to support like a professional athlete diet, lifestyle. Like what's that like? It's, it's, it's tough, man. And I don't ever want to compare myself uh, in any way, shape or form to say, I spent a lot of time in the Philippines, right? With the Philippines yeah. national team. And and they like obviously it's a third world country. So I'm not I'm not saying that um you know my life my life is definitely a lot better for sure. No, I know, um, I know the, what you're the, saying. The conditions, but they get paid a weekly allowance. They their food is catered for, um, they live their living conditions is catered for. I'm like, I literally sometimes have to pay to go on boxing trips. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like I work as a plumber, and I'm not saying my life's hard, but I work as a plumber. Um, with my brother to get a bit extra cash um, anyway or shape or form to get some extra cash I'll do it you know I, mean? I just my mindset has always been anything that works for boxing works for me so it's like if I've never chased money never money will come to me because I'm passionate and I'm hungry and I'm driven I believe mm. that money will come to me I've never chased it and I've always just gone if whatever I need in this moment if I need you mean 50 or 500 bucks, you mean, for the next trip, then I'll work with my brother for for a couple of weeks and save that money and then I'll do it, you know what I mean? But boxing always comes first. And every time I'm working, it's for that end goal and that is the boxing goal. I love that, man. That's so good to hear. I want to know what, like for you, obviously you learn lessons throughout a sport that is so humbling at times. What's the biggest lesson you've ever learned 
in a boxing ring or in a gym? Uh, probably just a stereotypical, you're never as good as you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a great one. And I think it's probably part, like, part of the reason why like, I just think I'm no different to anyone else, man, because the reality is boxing, I think as well, I've been doing a lot of surfing lately. It has a similar energy. I'm massive on my energy and how it makes me feel and how my body feels and, and, and like how my inner being feels. And when I'm surfing, I have this similar feeling from combat sport because it's like the ocean always wins. The ocean's always in control. And I think with combat sport, it's a similar feeling where it's like, like, it's kind of like, you're never as good as you think you are. You know what I mean? Like tone it down, really pipe down. Someone's going to come fix you up if you don't pipe down. As a youngster, what was the first time you were really humbled in the gym? (laughs) <laughs> I remember I was, I think I was about 12. So grade six, year seven, real smart ass kid thinking yeah. I've done boxing for a couple of years, thinking I'm all this macho man. Yeah. And I remember getting fixed up by a body shot. The first time I ever got dropped, body shot to one side. I went like this, <gasps> you made that yeah. sound. Yeah. And then the guy, the guy just, he was a bit older. He was about 20. He went over straight over to the other side, just fucking banged me on the other side, dropped, dropped like a sack of potatoes. Hey, to be fair, did, you, did you just say he was a bit older? He was 20. You're about 12 or 13 at this point. <laughs> no wonder, I, bro. I, I must have been like, I must have been a massive smart ass in the gym, so I probably deserved it. <laughs> that's, so, that's so good. You always hear those boxing stories, right? Like, it's only natural, I think, in that gym environment, and you probably need it too. Oh, 100%. It's all character building. Of course, my trainer always says, like, like a bit different now about boxing a kid, but if I'm boxing someone who's 17, 18, and they're, they're doing really well, and it's like they've never been fixed up. My, my coach will say, put one on his body, like just one. Like, and yeah. you, you'll do it just to test them. It's all a test. Yeah. And you, you can test them and see if they if they take it and they're like, or if they drop or if they, yeah. they coward, like whatever they do, you will see their character in that moment. Bro, yeah, I, I 100% can imagine. It's, um, it's very character building to be humbled in any scenario as a professional athlete or as an aspiring athlete. You spoke about that gallery of, of boxes. Um, I, sh- I assume maybe a past and present on your leg, the, the things that have been inked there. Who are some of those faces and why are the reasons that they inspire you as a fighter? So the first one's Vasily Lomachenko. So he's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He's probably pound for pound. I know he's not up there anymore because he got beaten in his last fight, but he's still pound for pound to me, one of the best fighters in the world mm. at the moment. Um, Roy Jones Jr., one of the crowd favorites, just loved what how flair he was. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard, absolute superstar in the boxing. I think I was the best boxing era and he was the best at the time. Bernard Hopkins taught himself how to box in jail and then come out and was boxing until he's 50 world champion and an unbelievable fighter. Um, Muhammad Ali, of course, everyone knows that, that guy. And then Andre Ward, um, who's a superstar as well. Andre Ward, I don't think he's the only one that I haven't heard of. Yeah, so he's an Olympic gold medalist, and then he come. He's yeah. got. Uh, he put up the best video, right? So he put up the best video. He's like, my goal was to become an Olympic uh, Olympic gold medalist. Did that, and he turned pro, and then become pound for pound. I uh, come the the what's it called world's weight champion. Sorry, and and then he retired as soon as he became champion. He retired. I'm just like, man, I love that. Like he's like, I did. I achieved what I wanted to achieve, and now he's a commentator. So I was off into the sunset. Yeah, it's just like, I'm I'm out, boys. (laughs) (laughs) That first name you mentioned, Lomachenko, right? There's a similarity between you and him in the sense that you've both taken up, I guess, a bit of a skill on the side at some point in your life there that, um, believe it or not, in some way translates to the way that you move your feet in a boxing ring. 
Um, I know he speaks about his background in dancing um, and tr- more so traditional dance from where he's from. Um, but you personally done a bit of work with ballet. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've always wanted, wanted to like try. And I think when you really sit down and think about it, any form of dance would be good for any sport, any, anything in life really. It's really good for coordination. Um, and I'm a massive believer doing something that is completely different or, or, or different or unique, it's just going to increase your learning capabilities. You're mm. going to learn differently and you're going to take that learning cap and you're going to take it into somewhere else in your life and you're going to view things a little bit different. And I noticed that when I left school, when I left school, because you're learning six and a half hours a day, I was picking up things really well at boxing. Um, your brain's a bit more of a sponge. And then when I left school, I wasn't really challenging myself as much for a couple of years. And I noticed that I was like not learning right. And then from that point, I was about 20 I was looking at all these things that I could do different and that's where ballet come into it and um, absolutely fell in love with it, mate. I absolutely love it. And, and maybe one day I'll be good enough to do a performance, but I'm pretty shit at the moment. Yeah. Are you still doing that actively right now? Yeah. Obviously COVID hasn't helped, but yeah. um, Sydney's just come out of lockdown. Thank God. And I can finally get back on the bar. Can I say, does that, that would humble the shit out of you, eh? absolutely and doing anything that you're bloody useless at like i love yeah. doing stuff that i'm used to say it's the best feeling like surfing i was getting tumbled by every wave slowly but surely you progress in boxing when you get to a certain level and anything that you're good at when you get to a certain level you make like 0.1 of a percent increment some days mm-hmm. you make some good days you make 0.5 of a percent you know what i mean it's like when you're doing stuff like that your progression is like 10% in the day sometimes and you, and you start feeling really good and you, your confidence in yourself is feeling really good. And I love doing things I'm shit out at. You said that boxing is, is good for your boxing brain, I guess. It helps you learn and helps, helps you learn on the go as a boxer and in any sport. Is that the reason why we're seeing so many TikTokers step into the ring these days, you think? <laughs> yeah, probably. Who knows? I actually, um, have you ever heard of Mark Boris? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's a super yeah, super successful businessman, and I was on his podcast uh, during the week, and he we were talking about he, he's a boxer himself, had a few yeah. fights, and he and he was saying like there's so many similarities to boxing or combat to business, and the way he was articulating, I'm like, man, it sort of just takes on like it's so true. The lessons that I've learned from being inside the square or being inside the ring, like it will just carry on for the rest of my life, and I'm so grateful. Definitely. You know, it's funny because I don't know if you know this, but Mr. Burris himself is actually a board member at the Chooks. So have a few things in common there. Eh? <laughs> yeah. I have to have a few beers together. Mate, hundred percent. We'll go to a Chooks game one time. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk, talk to me about how your feelings on, cause I know the boxing world's really divided on this at the moment, right? With, I guess these celebrity matchups and these people who are coming into boxing and making big money. And do you have a problem with it personally? Is like, what's your thoughts and feelings on it? No, I don't have a problem with it at all, mate. I know I've definitely gone through ebbs and flows where I've changed my opinions on it, but it sucks to hear like a guy dedicates his whole life and, and maybe a guy who's a superstar and, and like a Lomachenko, he wouldn't be making that much. He's a superstar or, you mean, and then you get someone like a Logan Paul, Paul. but the reality is, it's bringing different people to the sport and boxing was losing its way because of UFC. And it's like, because of people like this, it's getting a bit more limelight. Yeah. It's a bit of a circus at times. Don't get me wrong. But like, I generally do think it's bringing new people into the sport. It's making different people who would never watch it, watch it. Um, And it's, I'm all about it, man. Anyone who gets in the ring, I don't care who you're fighting. Like I'm, 
I have ab- absolute respect for him because it's a vulnerable place. And to be honest, I think 90% of people wouldn't do it. So, like, I'm a big, big believer. Anyone who gets in the ring, regardless of who they are, I'm, I'm a massive fan. Yeah, I love the way you look at that. You said before earlier in this interview that you kind of take traits in your personality and your character from mum and dad. Mum's the flow. Dad's that routine and that regiment. Um, what is, I guess, do you have like a real strict sort of day-to-day routine or does it really change from week to week? You know, like if you were to run us through like a typical Monday or a typical day in the week, what would that look like with training and life? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Obviously it changes, uh, but probably the most common day during a preparation would be I'd wake up every morning 5.30 um, to leave at 6.30, but 5.30 I'd wake up and I'd say those things in the mirror that I was telling, talking talking about before. Um, I'd always try and meditate as well. I'd meditate and visualize. So I'd meditate first, usually silent meditation. That's how I operate. Um, sometimes guided, not often. And then straight after the meditation, I'd visualize. So whatever the goal is, whether it be, um, you know, obviously the Olympics was a massive goal. So most of my prep, I'll just visualize me standing on top of the podium, um, me getting my hand raised, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I would always get up, get ready for training, and then would always do a cardio session, whether it be running, roller, bike, or swimming. I'd come back and try and nap sometimes after breakfast. Um, very, really, I struggle because my brain is just like always on, I'm on fire, I've got ADHD. Um, but sometimes if I can nap and then if not uh, training at 11 where we're doing strength and conditioning um, and then food after that and just sort of relax, listen to a podcast, audio book, do some sort of self-growth, self-improvement stuff um, between session two and three. And then at four o'clock, I'd always have uh, boxing. And then at nighttime, doing a pre-bed routine where it's like practicing gratitude. What am I grateful for on the day? What went really well today in my technique? Really sort of like reflecting and being critical as well at times, which I think is so useful. Um, being critical of myself. What didn't I do well today? Um, you know, maybe I didn't say I saw a lady you know, carrying numerous shopping bags. Maybe I could have potentially asked, do you need a hand or something like that? Like that, that would be an example. Um, yeah. So just, I always love reflecting on my day and then always um, just sort of stretch, roll out and sometimes either watch a movie, but very rarely. I'm more of just I like sort of go on my phone and talk to my missus or something like that at the end of the day. Give a missus a bit of love after the day where you've just been training and slogging away. It's, it's hard to believe, man, like hearing that, it's hard to believe that you'd have any like free time yeah <laughs> that's in preparation and and the reality is you always make time i hate that saying oh i just don't have enough time you make time for the things you want and, and 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 i'm a big believer my girlfriend is is what i want and i want that olympic dream and she's she's awesome man like she's really supportive of of what i'm doing and i'm really supportive of what she's doing she's got her own goals that she's chasing really hard so which is great that's incredible brother um, before we finish up, I want to finish with two things. The first thing is a challenge for you. That challenge Ooh, is, yeah, buddy. Um, I know you're probably all about that nutrition, brother. I want you to, next time you've had a big session, you come back, especially after a run in the morning, come back, bit of sourdough, dark roasted, Stout. crunchy peanut butter, poached eggs, on top, poached eggs on top. Easy work. Let's go. That sounds delicious. Game changer. Game changer. Yeah. <laughs> right. The second thing is, um, we spoke about it before this. My journey has been inspired by my, my diagnosis and my life with cystic fibrosis. Um, there are a lot of people with cystic fibrosis that will be listening to this podcast or watching this. A lot of people without it who will get something from what I'm about to ask as well. But do you have a piece of advice or wisdom for those who are going through really big challenges and tough times in their life right now that they could 
hang on to and really hold close to their heart? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think just like it, it's a little bit hard to sort of say this one with like obviously what 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 you have what you have received like you can't help and you're not going to be able to change it. Like I, I'm assuming there's no cure for cystic fibrosis. No. And, and, and I think like, just like getting up every day and like for people who are struggling, just knowing that like, it's like, it's okay to have bad days and like the sun is going to come up again and just like trying to navigate through that time. And it's like, I'm a massive believer. The universe is always just trying to test us. And it's like, often people might play the victim. Often people might go, Oh, why this always happens to me. That real, like, um, what's the word? They're always like, um, they're always looking at the negative thing. Mm. It's like the universe for me, I always look at things as an opportunity. And it's like, if you can just change your mindset and look at things as an opportunity and look for what the universe is trying to teach you in this moment, I think it's just going to change your mindset and everything. Anything that bad that's happened, it's like, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I take out of this? What can I change from this? Or, you know, you know what I mean? And I think that's something 100%. that I've definitely taken in my life for sure. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Purpose fuels progress. Harry Garside, it's I love been it. an absolute pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. I want to make sure that absolutely everyone listening, watching, tuning into this episode, whether it's a clip that you're seeing on social, I want you to go across and follow this lad on social. I'm going to have all of his tags um, in the show description here today. Let's get behind a homegrown Aussie athlete who's doing incredible things, who's a true human being, a true character for the sport of boxing, but also for us as Aussies. Um, brother, it's an absolute pleasure and I'm a big fan of your work. So I appreciate you coming on. Pleasure, mate. Anytime we'll have to uh, tee up. Uh, I'm in Sydney now, so we'll have to tee up a run or something when uh, we get a bit more freedom. Yeah, you better fucking slow down for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> You're a legend. Thank you so much. Pleasure, mate.